Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. Um, Open your Bibles up. Matthew chapter 6. That's where we have been, and that's where we're going to be again today. We're looking at the last petition of the Lord's Prayer today. And the next week, we've got one more week uh, in this section. And that'll be it. You'll know everything you need to know. I'll never preach again, because you guys will you'll just know it all right after that. No. We'll, we'll think of something else to do, okay? Uh, but uh, what we've been doing is we've been going through this prayer of Jesus, and we've been asking God to change the way that we pray. We're asking God, teach us how to pray. And uh, I don't know about you, but this has actually really been challenging how I pray. Uh, it's, been, it's been a pretty good uh, series for me personally. And today we are looking at the battle against temptation. And it's a battle that we all fight. And so we really need to hear what Jesus has to say about this. And so I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read the whole prayer. It's kind of been our custom through this. And then we're going we're gonna to pray and jump into it, okay? We have it up there? Yes. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being a God who actually teaches us how to talk to you and get to know you. Because you want us to get to know you. And God, I pray right now that you, Father, would magnify yourself today. I pray that you would get maximum visibility in our eyes and in our minds today. Help me do that. That we would go away today thinking, wow, God is gorgeous. And so, God, would you please talk to us today? Would you please please uh, teach us, instruct us, challenge us where we need it, and comfort us where we need it? We're asking all these things of you, and in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, when we lived in uh, Missouri, my family lived in Missouri, we got something in the mail. Uh, every year we got this. It was from St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Um, it was a raffle for a dream house. And uh, for $100, you could buy a ticket for this raffle for this dream house. And it was a brand new, never lived in, debt-free house that could be your home. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? And so every year we buy a ticket. We knew people, had children that had cancer, and they went to, that, that's a great hospital. We're like, hey, great, okay. And uh, gave us something to do with the kids. We'd get them out of the house every once in a while on the weekend. We'd go tromp through that brand new house. And we loved it. It was great. Um, anybody get one of these in the mail recently? Is it up there? Yeah, we did. Uh, this is a raffle for a dream house. It's out on Mercer Island. 
And if you win, you can go move to Mercer Island. Or if you don't want to move, you don't like the neighbors, I guess, they'll give you $4 million if you win the raffle. Um, it's an even bigger deal. There's more prizes you can win. Check this out. Isn't this neat? And it's, on, it's got color photos, and it's on shiny, glossy paper. I mean, it just, this just looks like the answer to all your problems. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, the kids brought this in. Of course, it brought back memories of, of what we would do every year with St. Jude's. And they go, Dad, look at this. Read this. So they brought it in. And honestly, I couldn't finish my work for the day, okay, after I saw this. It just jacked with my thought life pretty severely. My mind was dreaming about what would happen if our family won that. That's what, if you've gotten one of those, that's what you thought of when you got that in the mail. But then it went even further. I started thinking, what if we bought just one more ticket? I mean, wouldn't that increase our chances of winning this? You know, I mean, there's only so many that are sold. This could, this could get good. And, and it wasn't so much the house. It wasn't so much like the car, the gifts, or in that kind of stuff that really got me. It was the idea of being debt-free. That's what got me. And that's how they market this. The ticket, I was thinking, wow, my, this is my thoughts. And my ticket could save us from debt. It could give our family more security. Less money. We wouldn't need as much. Be a little more stable. These are the thoughts that are just like, in, in like one or two seconds at a time, they're just flying through my mind. You know how your mind works. Here I am, guys. I'm minding my own business. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, I'm thrown in. I'm going to put this away because I'm not going to get through the message if I don't put it away. I'm thrown into a battle with temptation. I couldn't believe it. I'm thrown into this battle to lust after something that I don't have. It's not mine. I don't own it. I'm thrown into a battle to trust something other than God to take care of my family. In our future. I share the story with you, um, not because I'm proud of that. I'm not. And we need to be a church that can be honest with each other. Amen? I share the story with you to make the point that we are all vulnerable to temptation. I was having a pretty good, strong day. We're all vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to temptation. You can be in the right place at the right time doing exactly what you're supposed to do and get thrown into a battle. Temptation gets mailed to your door with your name on it. You guys track it with me? Now, what are you going to do when that happens, family? What are you going to do? That's what we need to talk about today, all right? We're here to talk because we need to talk about this. The answer that I think we find in this passage is that we need to ask God to keep us from falling when we're facing temptation. We need to ask God to keep us from falling when we're facing temptation, when we're squaring off with it. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. In order to do this, in order to endure under times of temptation, there's something that we need to know, there's something we need to do, and there's something we need to believe. So first of all, what is temptation? Because I know not everyone's tempted by a debt-free house. I get that, all right? But, but what is it? Everyone's got something. Well, temptation fundamentally is a battle for our soul. We need to get this. 
Temptation is a battle for our soul. There is this idea that when God delivers us from the kingdom of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his son, Jesus, that life gets really easy for us. Like everything just smooths out from that point on. That when God changes uh, the allegiance of our heart from ourselves in this world to King Jesus, that somehow that would be the end of the matter. It's just smooth sail until heaven, until the new heavens and new earth, right? There's that kind of thought that kind of lingers in the back of our mind. But we all know that that would only be true if God, when God saved us, he translated us into heaven immediately. But as it is, he's left us in this world. As it is, God has left us in the world where uh, Satan has free reign, still, sin still breaks things, and our flesh is aroused by destructive desires. You need to know that. That's reality. That's part of reality. We need to know that we are in a war zone. We're not on a playground. We need to get that straight so we're not ambushed. So we're not taken off guard by temptation when it's mailed to your house with your name on it. How did this happen? That's well, because you're not on a playground. Jesus prays this for us in John 17. I do not ask. He's talking to the Father. Get this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. I would have liked him to pray that, but he didn't. He doesn't say, evacuate, evacuate. What does he say? I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. He tells his disciples later on in Matthew, in chapter 10, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep amidst the wolves. So, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. <laughs> Here is what we know. Though the flesh, that, that person we were before we met Christ, even though the flesh is ultimately dead, it tries to hold on to us. Though Satan is ultimately defeated, he won't give up without a fight. This is that already not yet tension that we live in that we talked about a few weeks ago. This is that already not yet fully tension. And Jesus has left us in this place. He's left us in this world. Now, the question is, why? Why does God let temptation get mailed to your door with your name on it? Well, it seems to me that every temptation is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to show that God our Father really is worth total devotion and love. Or He's not. And in that way, temptation is a form of testing. In fact, in the original Greek, those, that word means both of those things. It can mean testing and temptation. When we're, tept, when we're tempted, our internal desires are put at a crossroads in that moment. I'm talking about in real time. When that comes up, your desires or your heart is put at a crossroads. And you've got to choose. You've got to pick. The question becomes, do we really believe that God will give us the most joy? Or do we believe, in that moment, do we believe that something else will give us the most joy? That's what's happening. So when we're tempted to respond to someone who has hurt us, 
with anger. We're tempted to respond with revenge. The question before us is this. Do I trust that God will thoroughly vindicate me from this wrong? Or do I believe that only I can vindicate myself from this wrong? That's what's going on inside, here and here. When we're up late and we're online, the question before us is, do I believe that God's love will totally satisfy my heart, or do I believe that pornography will satisfy my heart? That is the crossroads that's put at our heart. When we discover some news about someone else, the question becomes, it's not should I gossip or not. That's not the question. The question is, do I trust that it's better for people to worship God as all-knowing? Or is it better for me that people worship me as all-knowing? That's really what gossip is. It's, it's a desire to be like God. I want you to know that I know more than you about someone. And God's the only one who knows everything about everyone. So, When we withstand these temptations, we show that God really is worth total devotion and total love. That God really is superior above all. And guess what? We are strengthened. Our faith in Him is strengthened. Our faith in Him is fortified when that happens. The God we profess to love becomes more real to us. But when we're tempted and we choose self over Savior, when in that moment we believe that God really isn't good, something else is better, then that has an effect on us as well. God becomes less real to us and more imaginary. He becomes less like our Father. He becomes more like a shadowy force. He's just kind of out there somewhere. And so listen, when that happens enough, over and over, it has an effect on us. It does great damage to our soul. When we, we start to think about temptation like this after a while, well, you know what? God is so distant now. He's so imaginary now. Then what's the difference? What is the, what, at this point, what's the difference? What's one more time? Who cares? That's how we start thinking in ourselves. Here's my point. Temptation is a daily peril for the Christ follower. And we need to know that. You can't just build a fence big enough to keep out all that stuff. And people try to do that. And whole churches try to do that. It's not going to work. Temptations are spiritual battles for our soul. And guess what? They use live ammo. I can show you some scars. You tracking with me? Amen. The stakes could not be higher. And get this, we will never pray like this. Jesus says pray like this. Well, we will never pray like this. We will never pray this prayer. Okay? Lord, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We're never going to pray that prayer if we don't know and see temptation as a battle. The times in my life, family, where I have been the most prayerless, the most prayerless, have been the times when I didn't think temptation was a really big deal. It's no big deal. Or that I could handle it. I mean... 
I know this pretty well. I got this. You understand what I'm saying? Those times I was like, you know, I'm a child of God, so it's not going to hurt me. In other words, I wasn't convinced that I was ever in any danger. Those were the times when I was most prayerless, just kind of going through life. Some of you guys remember that infamous poem, Footprints in the Sand, or famous, maybe if you liked it. Footprints in the Sand, remember that? It was real popular. Lord, you once said, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way, but I noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints, and he answered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Remember that poem? I think it's on like coffee mugs all over the place, right? I've got to be honest with you. When I'm battling testing and temptation, that's not real to me. This is probably a more accurate picture for me, for my life, okay? It says, my child, I never left you. Those places where there were one set of footprints, it was when I carried you. And that long groove over there, that's when I dragged you for a while. <laughs> I'm just being real with you guys. That's me. Maybe, maybe that's you too, though. Maybe that's you too. So how do we resist temptation? How do we go from fighting against God? No, I'm, no I got this. How do we go from fighting against God to fighting against temptation? Well, it's through prayer. It's through prayer that we resist the attacks of Satan. And so the verse reads, Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what are we supposed to make of this verse, this petition in prayer? Well, we've already established that God, in one sense, does lead us into times of temptation. He leads us into trials and testings by the mere fact that he left us here after he saved us. And also... You know, he leads us into times of trials and temptations that are specific. You got Adam and Eve. You got Abraham. You got Job. You got Jesus, just a few chapters before this prayer. So if God does at times lead us into situations where our faith in him is put to the test and tried, what do we make of this petition? Well, I think that we get some help by seeing both of these clauses as talking about the same thing. I think that's really helpful for us. There's a parallelism that's happening here in this verse. So the second clause is expanding and elaborating on what the first clause was saying. It's talking about the same thing. It's putting a little detail to it. So it means something like this. I'm paraphrasing. When I'm facing temptation, keep me from falling. Or if you like, protect me from the destruction Satan would want to work in my soul by not letting me succumb to the temptation. Keep me from succumbing to that temptation right now, Lord. That's what this prayer is saying. That's kind of the thrust of it. So this prayer is an admission that we are weak to fight off evil in our own power. That's hard to do. As a man, that's really hard to do. I'm too weak to do this. I need your help. That's hard. You guys remember the movie Jaws? Anyone watch that? Okay, bonus points. Anyone watch that on a date with someone? (laughs) Nobody? Just me and Vanessa. Okay. (laughs) This prayer is the equivalent of Martin Brody catching a view of Jaws, bloodthirsty Jaws, as he's coming up 
out of the water and confessing, uh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Guys, we're going to need a bigger boat. That's what this prayer is. Prayer is requesting a bigger boat so that we can resist the traps of Satan. That's all it is. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. That means admit you need help. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And, and see, that's prayer. Draw near to, how do we draw near to God? Through prayer, we draw near to God. He becomes closer. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 1 Peter 5. You think Peter knew anything about being tempted? Absolutely. Be sober-minded. Hey, you're not on a playground. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Get this. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Satan wants to devour our faith in God. He'll do anything he can to get us to stop trusting that God is good and that God is trustworthy and that God is loving and that God is glorious. He wants us to trust anything else but the Father. And one of the ways he does this is by telling us lies in the moment. When we're tempted in his greatest lie that gets the most traction in our heart is the first lie that he ever told. God isn't really good. And that one sticks like an arrow in our hearts. It's the lie that God is holding out on you on the good stuff. He's got the good stuff locked up in the cabinet and he's not going to let you have it. He's not really good. So you need to go get what's good. You like it, you go get it. You like it, go get it. Because God's not going to give you anything good. That's his biggest lie. You see, that is a lie attacking not what we claim to know. Get this. It's not attacking what we claim to know. It's attacking what we claim to believe. That's a faith-eating lie. But when we draw close to God in prayer, James says, when we call in a request for a bigger boat, God supplies what we need to resist the traps, the temptations. And God looks more glorious. So when we're tempted, we pray that God would help us believe that he is better than whatever is in front of our eyes. We pray that God would bring to mind his precious, wonderful promises. That the promises of revenge or the promise of comfort, the promise of sexual immorality, or the promise of, if I just worry enough about it, it'll be okay. Whatever that promise is that's coming at us at that time would all be utterly dwarfed in the presence of God's promises. That's what we're praying. That's what we're asking to become real for us. We pray that God would come to us in that moment. He'd supply strength in real time in the midst of that attack. And this takes great humility. This does take submission. That means that you and I got to get lower when that happens. 
We pray that God would call a scripture to our mind to help us think straight. Because when temptation comes, you're not thinking straight. You've stopped thinking straight. You're just feeling now. We quietly pray, Lord, or maybe like I do, loudly. We pray, Lord, help me to trust you with all my heart, to lean not in my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge you, because you will make my path straight. That's a promise. I believe that. Help me believe that, Father, right now. Remind me that your love, O Lord, is greater than life. That may mean that you pray for 30 seconds right there at work. That may mean that you pray for 30 minutes. That may mean you pick up the phone and you call someone because you're so weak that they pray with you. But what it always means is that we play an active role in resisting the devil through our prayers. He's given us tools. He's given us resources and weapons. Isn't that great? That's the gospel. That's good news. And I've got to ask you this question, guys. I love you guys, so I've got to ask some hard questions today. That's my job. I'm supposed to do it. Are you resisting temptation in any area of your life right now? Now, I don't know. I cannot answer that question for you. Only you can answer that question, but I've got to ask the question. Are you resisting temptation at all in your life right now? Because, you see, it's one thing to say that we're struggling with bitterness, right? It's one thing to say that we're struggling against pride or we're struggling with anxiety this week. But are you? Are we? Here's how, here's how you can tell. You want to know how you can tell if you're really struggling with something? Here's how you can tell. You're tired afterwards. You're tired after you struggle. <laughs> Just because this is an invisible battle doesn't mean it's an imaginary battle, right? If you aren't tired, you haven't fought. Even Jesus, the one that could not sin, was exhausted after battling Satan in the wilderness. In fact, it says that God had to send angels to minister to him in his weakened state. Now, how's that grab you? That's pretty neat to me. Matthew 4, 1, and then verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The battle happens. Verse 11. Then the devil left him. Resist the devil, he will flee. Battle happens. He goes away. And behold, angels came and were ministering to Jesus. At Crossway, we know. Our elders know. I know the struggle against sin is real, and it can cause us to be tired at times. We get that. I know that. But we want to encourage you to fight on. We want you to encourage you. Do not lay down for that stuff in your life. 
Don't make provisions for the flesh. That means don't set up a table and a chair and some snacks and some water. Don't lay down. Do not give up. God has a word for you today. Here's the word. Resist. Resist. Resist by asking God for what you need in that moment. And you need to know this. This is what we need to believe. I want you to get this, guys. We can resist our temptations because Christ intercedes for us. Christ intercedes for us. Look at Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. That's a big churchy word, okay? That means to make peace with God for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, get this, he is able to help those that are being tempted. Isn't that good news? That's great. Jesus helps us in a few ways when we are being tempted. One of the ways is that Jesus reminds us that we are definitely children of God when we're being tempted. And after the temptation. I don't know because I cannot prove it. Okay? So this is... This is my opinion. Take it or leave it. I wonder if the angels came and reminded Jesus that he was the Son of God. Because isn't that part of what the temptation was? If you are the Son of God? Can't prove it? Think it's inferred. You and I need to know that when you've just got done with the battle. You're a child of God, and Jesus helps us in that way. He was made the sacrifice on our behalf so that we could be brought back to the Father. Guys, sometimes our testings and our temptations, we go through prolonged periods of that. You guys know what I'm talking about? It just doesn't let up? Last months? Last years? Sometimes we have what the Bible calls us, actually we all have this, besetting sins. We all have these besetting sins. These are sins that have an unusually strong gravitational pull on our soul. Okay? They're unlike others that we can easily shake off. We just have this predilection to them. We just have this natural weakness for that. There's some things that test you that I'm just like, not a temptation. But others, it's like, you know what I'm saying? You guys tracking with me? And when we constantly struggle against the same few temptations, and it's day after day, and it's year after year, and you're like, I'm still dealing with this? I'm still struggling with this? Are you kidding me? We can start to wonder if we're really God's children. Does the Holy Spirit really live inside of us? Are we really truly forgiven because we struggle so often with this and imperfectly? And we just give in sometimes? We just say, you know what? I'm tired. I'll indulge, right? Jesus became us so that he would be tempted in every way as we were. And he did it to resist all the temptation that we could not resist. That's why he did it. 
Why? Hebrews says, so that he can make propitiation for us. That means so that God's punishment for sin was appeased by him. Was satisfying to him. Even when you and I fail our temptation, we do not need to fear punishment. There may be consequences, absolutely, but not punishment from God. Don't need to fear that. Do not need to fear that. Why? Because of Christ, we have peace with God. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Christ. You and I are better able going into temptation to resist it when we know that no amount of failure on our part could ever separate us from the love of the Father. Second way Jesus helps us, the way he intercedes for us, is that he knows exactly what we need in times of struggle. This is great. This is one of my favorites. Because Jesus became flesh and blood just like us. And because he experienced real life temptation, just like us, he knows exactly what kind of help that we need in the moment. He knows what we need. In other words, when you and I call out for help, when we say, hey, we need a bigger boat, we call that in. When we draw near to God, we pray to him, Jesus isn't referring to some thick, generic manual on humans in distress and sending down some options. You understand what I'm saying? He's not doing that for you. Jesus supplies help that is perfect. I keep coming back to that word, it seems like, every week. It's a perfect gift. It's perfect help. It's custom-made for our particular situation and time in life. Why? Because it comes from his own personal experience as a man. Get this, Jesus gives help that actually helps. Ah, you guys. Jesus answers our prayers. What good does it do for you and I to use the tool he gives us if it's not going to work, oh, it works. He answers our prayers. Jesus sometimes gives us this once-for-all-time deliverance. You know that? Some of us have experienced that, of temptation. And we like that kind of once-for-all-time. We like that kind of deliverance, don't we? Sign me up. Right? The miracle kind, instant deliverance. No struggle, no trial period, just results. We like that. That's our favorite. You know what? We should pray for that kind of deliverance, okay? We should, because God grants that today. Did you hear me? We should pray for that kind of deliverance. But you know what? It's not promised. It's not promised, okay? What is promised is day-by-day deliverance from temptation. Progressive deliverance. Jesus is once again adjusting how we pray in the Lord's Prayer. What we want is a miracle from God. What we get is a relationship with God. Just think about it. Just a closer walk with Him. Grant it, Jesus is my plea. It comes from here. So what do we do? We ask him for help in our weakness, and he supplies. We ask him with confidence in Jesus. 
the one who perfectly resisted temptation will help you resist perfectly. Amen? I love you guys. I want to pray for you. Okay. Lord, I just want to pray your own word back to you. Who shall bring any accusation against God's elect? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is now at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things that will come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God, I pray that you would help me and you would help us as your people, as a church, resist temptations so that we could know for sure again that you are worth everything. Your love really is better than life. So I pray that right now, God, that you would convict those that are not struggling to trust you, to humble themselves and ask for help, and that you would comfort those that are struggling and they are tired, that you know what that's like, and you will supply perfect help. And nothing can separate them from the love of God because of you, not because of them. Would you do that today? Would you change us? Would you change us? I'm praying that in Jesus' name. Amen.